You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Chinedu Nwosu of The Bridge, A Simple Church. Stay back and be blessed. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1 and probably get to verse 9. Are you with me this Sunday morning? Haggai, for those of us who don't know where Haggai is, are you using the paper Bible? Go to the beginning of the New Testament or the end of the Old Testament and turn your Bible backwards. It's somewhere towards the end. It's like six or seven pages from the end of the New Old Testament. Haggai, Haggai, Haggai. Are you there? Is everybody there? Okay, if you are there, please rise to your feet. Let's read this together. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. I like us to rise to read the word of God for two reasons. First of all, because it will get your attention in case you're sleeping off. But secondly, because we want to respect the second person of the Trinity, the word of God himself. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. Everybody on your feet, except you're incapacitated in one way or the other. Rise to your feet as you respect the person of the, the, the second person of the Trinity. Haggai chapter 1, verse... 1 to 8. Let's read together. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jezedek, and the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord. I can't hear you. Let's go to verse 2. One to go verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe, ye clothe, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. For particular emphasis, let's read verse 7 and 8. Particular emphasis, verse 7 and 8. Are you there? Verse 7 and 8. Want to go shout it out loud. For saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Look at somebody beside you and look him in the eye like you're angry. Look him in the eye like you mean what you are saying. Look him like in the eye that if he don't listen to you, you're going to punch his belly. And tell him, consider your ways. Check up now. The way we say it in our local palace is, check your ways now. Eh? Check up. Check up. Say it to him. Say, check up now. Bros, check up now. There's a new way they say it. Generation Z. There's a funky way they say it now. I've lost track. There's a way they say it. Eh? Reason now, man. Look at your neighbor and say, Reason now. Say, Reason okay, say, now, now. Just Reason now. It makes sense. This way you know it makes sense to you. Say, Reason now. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you because before we came, you were here and you have a sure word to bless somebody tonight, this morning. And so I, as usual, I want to decrease that you might increase. I want to disappear that you might disappear. I want to vanish from the pulpit that all they see is you speaking God truly. I'm only an under shepherd. I'm a sent man, sent to bring this word to your people. And so, Father, I ask that you go be, go outside and go beyond my expressions, my idiosyncrasies, go beyond my 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 style or, or whatever thing I want to say. But and let the spirit of that word that you have for your people today be deposited in their hearts, that they will live here having considered their ways and live here having reasoned what you are and reason to think like you think in this season. Once again, Father, do what only you can do all through the service. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody shout aloud, Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to do it again for me. Walk around to three people and say, Reason I'm down. Now, don't be angry. Now, don't say it with like you're angry. Say it like you want to really appeal to them. Say, Guy, Guy, Reason I'm down. Reason this thing now. Wait till. Hapa, hapa, hapa. You may be seated. Reason I'm. Ah, please change the title of the message to Reason I'm now. Media guys, in parentheses. So consider your ways there in parentheses. Reason I'm now. Make sure you put the now there. Hallelujah. The Lord says, consider your ways. He says, in this particular text, the Lord is saying to his children or to the nation of Israel, that one thing that will please me in this season that they find themselves one thing that will please me and one thing that will bring glory to me is that you leave what you are doing and go and build me a house go and build me a temple go and build me a dwelling place that's what God is telling his people here in this particular text but before I go into how it relates to our contemporary times, let me just give you a background of how this text came about. It's important. If you're going to understand scripture, you must, like I often say over and over, and it's like a broken record, that you must look at each scripture in the context, uh, look each text in the context that it belongs. Try to locate that scripture to understand the, the circumstances that led to God saying what he said in that scenario. So in this case, we see the children of Israel having been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They had been in exile, in captivity for 70 years because of their disobedience and continuous rebellion. And then when the 70 years had expired, and it was actually Daniel who discovered this in Daniel chapter 9. He was going through the books of the books, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. But what they call the books of the prophets before him. And as he was reading through, he read to the place of one of the, one of the writings of Jeremiah. And he saw that Jeremiah who was prophesied and said in his prophecy that the children of Israel will only stay for 70 years in captivity. Then the Lord will call them back. And the moment he saw that in Daniel chapter 9, go and read it. He began to face God and begin to pray, Father, it is time for us to go back from captivity. And so they begin there. So when that once he began to pray, the angel of God came gave him the answer and now we see that return back to the land of Israel happening here. So, but of, but unfortunately for the people of, uh, for, for fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, or as, as circumstance will have it, when the children of Israel were taken captive and they were taken to Babylon they actually allowed them 
um, assimilate or go into the culture and began to trade. So they were very comfortable in Babylon. They were doing well in Babylon. They were businessmen. They were doing all so they were thriving. So the thought of even coming back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem, the city of God, was not even in their heart at all. But then about 50,000 people decided that they will obey the word of God and they made their first return back from exile. Altogether, there were three returns. The first return was by this, this particular, led by a man called Zerubbabel, who was of the lineage of David, and he came down. The second return happened a few years later by Ezra, and then the third return happened in Nehemiah's time, when Nehemiah was also one of those that came back. So there were three returns. This is the account of the first return, and when they came back to Jerusalem. Are you with me so far? So upon coming back, when they came back, they met different scenarios. They had high hopes. About 50,000 of them came back and left about hundreds more in Babylon. They were just enjoying themselves there and trading and doing business. About 50,000 came back and they were led by a man called Jerubabel, uh, like I said, and another priest called Joshua. So they came back and with all high hopes, uh, being that they were coming to, they were obeying the prophecy of God. They expected things to happen very quickly when they came back to Jerusalem, that they will rebuild the temple, their lives will come back together and they will enjoy the glory of the Lord and they will prosper and they were bound. But when they came back, they discovered that the Jerusalem that most of them heard about because most of of them were actually born in Jerusalem, in Babylon. The Jerusalem and the glory they had was not what they saw. But this time, Jerusalem was broken down. It was burnt. The city of God, temple was burnt. It was an absolute mess. So they began to rebuild what they saw. So as they came back, they started to rebuild. But they faced three, three different, uh, uh, three different uh, uh, factors that made it extremely difficult for them to, to see the glory that God had promised in his word. First of all, when they got back to Jerusalem, the first thing they realized was that because they had not cultivated the land for 70 years, the land was hard. It was difficult to break through the land to plant because these were farmers. It was difficult to break through the land to, to sow seed and to reap a reward from the seed. So because of that, their harvest was poor and their income was poor. So money wasn't coming in. In fact, the man who let them go, Cyrus, the king of Persia at that time, actually was actually sending, sending the, uh, release them with some kind of stipends. Because he said to them, I'm going to, he decided that I'm going to let all those who are captives go back to their native countries with one condition. That when they go back, they must pray, raise an altar for me and pray for me. So he even gave them stipends and they came back. But things were going bad. So the economy was bad. Money wasn't coming. Money wasn't flowing. They would sow and not reap. They would, they would uh, um, make some money. It would look as if in their pocket there were holes and they were losing everything there. So there was massive inflation, super inflation, hyper inflation in the land of Israel. That was the first thing. So there was economic difficulty. The second situation they met was that when they came back, they discovered that some people, very few of the Jews were not taken into captivity. So those ones who had remained had assimilated and they had made relationships with other people, other tribes around. So many of the pagan tribes. And by so doing, they had formed unions and relationships and they had gotten married and they had given birth to a new set of people in Samaria called Samaritans. That's where the Samaritans came from. So when they came back, they met a new hostile breed of people who were not even happy that they came back. And these were called the Samaritans. A good way to let you understand how the... the, the, the the tension that was in the city of Jerusalem then is when you think of the Arab-Israeli war. You know the general story? The general story from what I know, I'm not a history person, is that at some point when the Jews were, were, 
they were scattered and after they were scattered because of persecution they scattered all over Europe and then the indigenous, the Arabs uh, who were there now took over their property, took over their land and they took over the place and for generations they were that was their, what they called their land, that's the Palestinians but after some time when the, when the time for the Jews to begin to come back according to God's prophecy came they now came back and when they got back they discovered that people were already on the land so it was not how to displace them from that land that was originally theirs so the whole tension you see today is about the land the indigenous who remained and the ones the original owners who came back am I making sense so you now know if you if you, if you now think of what the Arab Israeli war and all the tension there you can have a little idea of how difficult it was for them at that time that was a time when Sambalant and Tobias came and they were trying to discourage Jehemiah from building the temple it was all about the wall sorry of Jerusalem it was all about what happened at that time so it was there was serious social unrest it was a difficult time for the people of God. So there was, there was social unrest and there was also economic hardship. And then there was also political instability. Because the man who led them back, Zerubbabel, was not even in Jerusalem when the captivity happened. The name Zerubbabel is the seed. Zeru means seed. Babel is from Babylon. So his name is the seed of Babylon. So that man was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Babylon. So he didn't know anything about rulership. The only reason why he had to lead them back was because he was of the lineage of David. So David and that lineage, God had promised that they would be kings forever. So he just let them, not knowing anything about politics, not knowing anything about leadership, because he himself had been a slave, in quote, a glorified slave in Babylon. So now he came back and he was governor. That's why he's not the king of Judah or Israel. He is the governor because he was just, he was a colony of the real king that had captured them. Am I making sense? Hello? So there was political instability. There was financial failure, economic hardship, and there was social unrest, and it pervaded all the land. So it was a difficult time for them. So, like anybody would do, and you can liken it to today, to, to, to our situation today as a country Nigeria, these three things are happening currently in this country right now. There is economic super inflation. Terrible inflation. All of us are in the same country. How that bread that was 300 naira last two years is 1,000 naira now. How that rice which was 11,000 is now 46,000 naira. How that gas, cooking gas which was two something, right? Two five is now 10,000 naira. How diesel which was 200 naira or 180 is now 880. Super inflation. Or is it the economic or the political problems? We are a major, we, are, we should be a test case of political problems <laughs> everywhere. So much so that all our, the, the leading candidates are fighting each other openly. So that the real one will emerge. Oh, by the way, I didn't announce to you guys, why, you're wondering why I'm wearing this. This is my PVC. Yeah, clap for me. I'm going to keep wearing this PVC so you keep seeing it until they stop giving out PVCs. And I heard it has been extended by a week, right? So they've extended it to the first week of February. February 14th? 4th, 4th, yes. So that means if you are in this local church and you don't have your PVC, your only assignment this week is to go and get your PVC. I'll be wearing it until the election is over to remind you that your PVC is the most important asset that you have right now. When I finish wearing my PVC in here, I'll take it home and put it in my safe. 
This is the most important asset I have right now. Amen. So if you don't have it, hi. Do you connect somebody beside you in my PVC? Do you have PVC? Do you have why did you say it in house? Millennia, call PVC. Can I have a PVC? What of Yoruba? Any PVC, eh? Go and get your PVC. And when you get it, keep it, hold it like gold. We are going to use it to exercise our rights on the 25th of February. Hallelujah. Amen. Oops, I lost my thought there. So, so there's political instability, there's social instability, and talk of security. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. Everything is just collapsing around us. So much so that those who are outside the country are wondering how we are surviving here. Every day there is one case of insecurity, one case of mishap, one ridiculous thing happening. The recent one is how some clowns decided to go and bomb headmen, headsmen with their cattle in the bush. How do you do something like that to cause more problem? When you know that there are tensions concerning that area, then some clown decided that he would go and bomb them. So, so we are praying when we pray for peace for the country you need to take it very seriously so that the heart God can pacify certain hearts that are wounded that are bleeding that are seeking for revenge hallelujah so this situation they found themselves what the, is the exact same situation we find ourselves today but you know while they had stayed back for they had returned for about 16 years now at this point when Haggai showed up about 16 years they had been in the land and out of nowhere God decides that these guys are not they are, don't, they are not responding well God says I'm going to send a prophet by the way if you're reading the Bible the best way to look at all the prophets in the Bible is divided into the major and the minor prophets but the best way to look at the read the prophets is to divide them into three categories of prophets those who preached before the exile because you see the exile was a major event that happened in the life of Egypt uh, life of Israel of Israelites so you look for the prophet that prophesied before the exile people like Isaiah all those guys prophesied most of them were before the exile then the people that prophesied during the exile people like Ezekiel they prophesied during the exile. Then you look at those who, are who prophesied after the exile. So you have the pre-exilic prophets, the exilic prophets, and the post-exilic prophets. Haggai is a post-exilic prophet because he prophesied after the exile. And everyone who prophesied after the exile, Haggai, Ezra, um, Malachi, all those guys prophesied after the exile. And all they were talking about was how to restore Jerusalem. But that's just by the way. So, so God now sends them a prophet. And out of nowhere, the Bible says a prophet showed up. And he was now telling them, people, I understand the situation here going on right now. I understand there's political unrest. I understand that there's social unrest. I understand the economy is bad. But I also know something and I was sent by God to come and tell you that you're not doing something right. You're not doing something right. God is not pleased with you. It's good you came back to Jerusalem, but God is not pleased with you. Why is God not pleased with you? What was the one thing God said to the people? He said, God said to them, consider your ways. Reason them. Check them now. God said to them, you have gone to build your own houses. Because naturally speaking, when they came back, they had to just try to replicate some of the things they saw in Babylon. To have a good house, to have a good home, to at least sort those first things first. 
But God said, you have done wrong in that. That you were meant to start from building my temple before you begin to build yours. God said, the glory which you seek is tied to my glory. That you only begin to enjoy glory when I'm being glorified. Let me say that again. You only begin to see glory. See ease in your life. Go beyond the pervading situation around you when I begin to get glory or when I begin to enjoy glory from you. And the only thing that will give me glory right now is that you build my house back because there was a temple that was before Solomon's temple, which was a major, magnificent temple, which was destroyed by, the, by Babylonians when they came to capture Israel. They burnt it down and destroyed it. So God's desire was that temple be built again. So what I want to do in the next 17 minutes is to explore three of the most important things, reasons that they gave in their hearts for why they were not building the temple. Now that we understand the prevailing situation, you get that right? Political instability, social unrest, economic difficulty. That was the prevailing situation, but those were not the reasons they gave. They gave other reasons why they shouldn't build the temple. So we're going to look very quickly at the book of Haggai to pull out at least, there's so many of them, at least three of them and see God's response to them. Are you with me so far? All right, okay, okay, okay. All right, let's, let's push. I'll be a bit faster with this now. So the first reason that they gave was that they said in their hearts, they said the timing was wrong. They were telling themselves, they convinced themselves that the timing was wrong. They said to themselves that, uh, 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 let's, let's just postpone building God's temple. Let's build our own first. Let's settle down. Let's, let's have balance. Let's, let's even understand ourselves before we start thinking of building God's own temple. So let's build our own house. Let's decorate it. Let's make sure it's nice. Let's make sure we are comfortable. Because it's comfortable people that praise God. Because it's comfortable people that, that glorify God. Because it's com people that have it together that is out of the rem remnant that I have that I will now give to God. When I have settled myself, out of that remnant that is remaining, I can now give God something. As if you are giving God a tip. As if you are giving God a gunje. As if God is begging on the road. That was the concept here. And so, when, his, when Haggai came, Haggai said in Haggai 1-2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, The people say, so that was what they were saying. If they were not saying it out to themselves, they were saying it in their hearts, just as we might be saying it to our hearts today. They said that the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And understandably, there are reasons for that. Because they too had to settle first before they start trying to build the house of the Lord. But God said to them, So, so Haggai's message was simply to say, to echo what they are saying in their hearts that God has heard and then tell them what God is telling them concerning the situation. That was his message. So what he was doing was to echo what they said, re-echo it, say it out loud. There are certain things we believe in our hearts that we never say out. <laughs> Amen. So many things we believe in that we never say out. You don't say it, but that's what you carry in your heart. So what Haggai was doing was to say it out so everybody would hear what they've been saying in their hearts. So Haggai's response was, verse 45 says, Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Haggai's instruction was simple. Priority. Give God priority. Give God the first and the best. And you see that principle all throughout the Bible. That God demands to have the first he has to have the healthiest. 
That's why the firstborn of every livestock belonged to God. The first was the, the strength, the sum total of the strength of that womb. The first. Because when a woman goes to labor, the, by the time she's having her first baby, that's when the womb is strongest. It's not yet lax yet. It's strong. So it pushes. So it delivers the first, the strongest. God says, give me that one. I want that one. Don't give me the last. Give me the first. That's the principle behind the tithe. He says, give me the first of the ten. Not the last of the ten. But we give God the last of the ten. The remnant when we have enjoyed ourselves. That is not priority. In this principle, we are not obeying that principle. So the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all other things shall be added unto you. Not all other things shall be added unto you. Then you can seek the kingdom of God. Seek him first. And all other things shall be added unto you. So God says, you've got your priority wrong. You think that you want to build your own house first. When you have settled, then you build my own house. But that is why you have holes in your pockets. That's why you are wearing clothes and you're not being warm. That's why the economy of the land is your problem. The economy, God never gave the excuse of the economy of the land. He never gave the excuse of the Samaritans. You never see him complain about that. That's not his issue. The reason why they were not seeing glory was not because of the Samaritans. It was not because of what was happening in the land. That is too mundane for God. Because God, oh, if you look at the third reason, God said the reason why you'll be blessed is because when I brought you out of Egypt, I made a covenant with you. The, the blessing, the reason for your blessing is not based on the fruitfulness of the ground. No, it is based on the covenant that I have with you. It is the covenant that I have with you that will make your ground fertile even though others own will be infertile. So it is not the fruitfulness of the ground that makes you blessed. It is your blessing that makes the fruitfulness of the ground blessed. Am I talking to somebody here this Sunday morning? So the economy is bad. So you, I know we need to pray that the economy will increase or will get better. It's generally better. But then they that know their God shall do exploits in the midst of the confusion and they shall prosper and they shall do a while because of the covenant they have caught with the Father. That covenant guarantees that the ground which you stay upon will be blessed. Guarantees that your business will prosper. Because right in the midst of the confusion, some people are prospering. Why not you? Why do you have to wait for the entire economy to improve before your own improves? I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. So God says, the problem you have is that I'm not your priority. You're your priority. Your business is your priority. Your family is your priority. Your house, your sealed, sealed houses. They were not even just trying to build houses to cover themselves. They were sealing it. So they were taking the best wood that, they were, that there was to make beautiful wood panels. Am I talking to somebody? That's one. But I'll go track first. Then the second complaint that they had, we see that complaint. It was, the, like I said, a bad economy. Inflation. And Haggai said in 1.6, Haggai 1.6, he says you have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, yet you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled. You clothe, but there's not warm. There's not warm. He that earneth wages, uh, he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag that will, that will hold. So, the, this one was, they were like, Father, look, that the reason why we are not building you the temple is because there is hardship in the land and we don't even have enough ourselves. And as a matter of fact, at some point when you read it, it appeared as if they were even blaming God. God, you know if you bless me, you want house, Abi? You want temple? Then bless me. If you bless me, I will build a house for you. That's what they were telling themselves. 
But you can see the economy is bad. How can I build it when I don't have the money? When I don't have the resources? So why don't you bless me? When you bless me, it will go up. So they're like, it's your fault that you have not built your house because you have not blessed me indirectly. That's what they have said to themselves. But look at what God tells them. God tells them in Haggai 1.9, he says, um, God's response, Haggai 1.7-8, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build my house. I know the economy is bad, but there's still wood somewhere. I know that there's social unrest, but there's still wood on the mountains. Go up to the mountain and bring the wood there is. So there's still something that you have. There's still something small that you have. Start with that one. If you start with that one, I can guarantee you that many more will come. Because you see from the third one I'll share with you. So God says, I know things are not as you expected them to be. I know things that are worse than they were in Babylon. I know that the economy is bad. I know that there's social unrest. But there's still wood on the mountain. Why don't you start by cutting the one that you can see? Leave the one that you can see. Forget the gold. Forget the silver. Forget all the nice paneling. Leave those ones. But there is still wood. In the midst of the lack, in the midst of the, of the, the, the difficult situation, in the midst of the poor economy, guess what? There's still wood on the mountain. I can see it. Why don't you start from that one that we can see? Start with that. Make me the first and start with that and see if more won't come your way. So God is telling us too, as it concerns the project and the temple, start with where you are. Start with what you have and see what God will do in your life. Amen? Then the last reason before we go. The last one was strength and capacity. Then they now began to say, but if you read the text properly, you see that they began to build. After 16 years, they started building. But after two years of building, they got tired again and they stopped. They stopped because they looked at what they were building and what was before. And what they were building was small. It was nothing compared to the glory of what was before. So that brought discouragement in their heart. They looked at the number of people who were trying to build. They were too few. That brought discouragement, so they just abandoned the project again. So we see later that uh, later Haggai came again with another word from the Lord. Altogether, there were five visions and five prof prophetic proclamations that God gave to Haggai. Five of them, and Haggai took the time to actually date them when those words came and he gave to them. So in this one, they said, God now says to them, one of the complaints that there are too few and there are not enough people. And they don't have the strength and capacity to do it. Haggai 2, 2 and 3. He says, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue, the residue, so a small fraction. Residue is small, but the remnant and the residue of the people, small, small number of people who were doing the work, saying, who is left among you that saw the house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes small in comparison to, the th to nothing? So they are saying, God was saying that, I know you're telling yourself that what you're doing is small in comparison to what there is before but calm down. Why don't you just go and do what I want you to do? What was God's response to them? Haggai chapter 2 verse 5 to 9. And then he says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. God's instruction to them was, I know you're few. I know that this temple, as a matter of fact, is looking small compared to what it was before. I know it doesn't look like it's going to be bigger than what was before, but I want you to know something, God says. I want you not to be afraid. He said, fear ye not. Verse 6 says, Haggai 2, 6, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea 
and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Summary, put it down in the language you understand. God was telling them, look, I know that this thing you're doing is small. I know that you're even too few. I know what you're going through. I know you're discouraged because um, what you're trying to do is small compared to what was before. But I want to tell you something. If you can not be afraid, if you will remember that I have a covenant with you, and based on the covenant I have with you, I'm going to supply all that you need. You go and start. He said, the gold is mine. That gold you're looking for is mine. That silver you're looking for is mine. They are with the nations. I'm going to shake the nations and I will bring them to you. But you must first of all go to the mountain and pick the wood and start building. When you start building with the wood on the mountain, I will send the gold. I will send the silver. I will send the resources. He said the desire of nations shall come. That word desire is the word treasure. So he said that the treasure of many nations shall come to you. But you must put your hand on the plow and build me a building. You must put your hand on the plow. Seek me first what I desire. Build me a building and you will see the resources come. You will not lack. Then he said to them that the glory of this temple that you're building shall be greater than the glory of the temple before. In their time, they didn't get there. But by the time Jesus came, the glory of the temple that Jesus met was bigger and more glorious than the temple that Solomon built. So much so that they considered it heresy when Jesus said, I will build, tear this temple down, destroy this temple and build it up in three days. They were like, hello, see this small boy. It took our fathers 40 years to build this. And you, you say you build it up in four days. They were like, this one is wrong with you. You are in fact desecrating and insulting the temple of God. And you get, you know who built that temple eventually? Who took it to that height? You know the person who did it? They were all trying to build something great until Herod came. Herod. Herod was the one that built the temple in its glorious, magnificent state. Do you know why he built the temple? Because he was trying to curry favor from the Jews. Because Herod was not of the line of David. Herod was an Edomite. But because he had money, he was able to bribe Rome to make him king of Jerusalem. King of Israel at that time. You know he was the king when Jesus was born. But he was not in the line of David. He had no business on the throne. But he bought it and he was trying to curry favor. So God took all the resources that he had generated from wherever he generated it from and used to build the temple back to the glory. So that that word that God said that the temple, this temple, the glory of this house shall be greater than the one before. The temple was destroyed again at, in AD 70 by the Romans. But the temple is still going to be rebuilt. Or if it's not even being rebuilt. And for those who, are, who like eschatology, watch for the, the glory of that temple. Once it is completed, it is built. We don't work out. Christ don't come. Amen. Right now they are fighting over the land, the place where it's meant to be. Who owns it? Is it the Jews? Is it the Muslims? The Christians are also making claim too. Jerusalem has been fought over by different people over the years. The city of God. But that's not the teaching for today. The most important thing is that that temple was eventually built, but it started with Zerubbabel, a young governor who did not know much about rulership, who obeyed God. Then the Bible says at the end, it says in Haggai 1.14, 
the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, and, and the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnants of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts. So they obeyed God. And at the end, if you read chapter 2, the last one of the last verses, he said, Jerusalem, I will make you a signet ring in all the nations. I will bless you. How does that relate to us today? So many ways. I can put it in different ways. The first one I want to talk about is the building of the body of Christ. This local church by way of populating it with people. You know the church is not this building. The church the body of Christ, the temple of God is first of all the body of Christ us collectively here together and then also you individually as much as it's a physical building. So God is saying to us today that your major priority the first thing you should fix your heart upon then every other thing should follow is the building of the house of God with people. That's why I said you need to go and drive them to church. They form blocks. That person who is out there is a major block that needs to be put in the structure so that somebody else will climb upon and another block will climb. So that person is out there. You need to go and carry that block like a building and put it inside. Somebody is the, the, the plumbing material, <laughs> the tap, if we are the building of God. You get what I'm trying to say? And that person might be out there. Go and bring that person. So that's first of all. Then the second one also is the physical space. The physical building. And I've said all of that and that's the one I want to focus on. God is calling us in this season. Amidst all the confusion. Amidst all the economic issues. Amidst all the social unrest. Amidst everything you can complain about. There's nothing you can complain about that these people in did not complain about. That's why I read that scripture. There is nothing that they did not consider a problem. That they did not go through then. They were going to even worse than what you are going through today. Is it inflation? The Bible says they have, it was as if they make money and then they put it in their bag and they didn't leak. That's inflation. You make 100 naira. It's as if you made 10 naira. That's inflation. So they are suffering inflation. And God said in, for them and for us in this season, it's a seasonal thing. I'm not saying that all throughout history, that's what happens. No, but in this case and in the case and the assignment God has given to me, he said, look, if you want to beat the inflation and you want to glory, rise to a level of glory, you must tie your glory to my glory. It is my glory that brings your glory. You've just listened to an amazing message by Pastor Chinedu Unwosu of the Bree Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at the Nafil Arcade and Water Park, Vuse Zone 7, and midweek services at the Chiroton Hotel, number 30 Sokode Crescent, Vuse Zone 5. God bless you.